Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. The funny thing about Christmas, at least it's true for me, perhaps it's true for you as well, but the funny thing about Christmas is it feels as though it has always been thus. In other words, we've always celebrated Christmas this way. Do you get that feeling? Sometimes, maybe just a little bit. Maybe there's a family tradition you all share in. Maybe it's something you grew up with. Maybe like me, you've been hanging around the church for a long time. And it always seems like Christian communities have done it this way. But in fact, that is not the case. 
you cannot trace this all the way back to that first generation of disciples. In fact, you can't go back too much further than maybe eight or nine hundred years ago to a little town in what we call today Italy called Assisi. I heard somebody whisper it. You're always ahead of me, but that's a good thing. A young man named Francis, many of you will know about him, shed everything, his wealth, his inheritance, his rapport with the town that he had grown up in, his reputation, and took on a vow of abject poverty, and a burning, many of us would regard as a certifiable desire, to return to a very simple faith. And one of the things he did in the course of that journey is he began to gather people together to put on plays about the Christmas story. He became almost obsessed, certifiable, with his obsession, obsessed with his own obsession, yes, I said that, with a little baby born in a manger. Now, you have to understand that Francis had many choices. He could have chosen a traditional monastic life and entered one of the many Benedictine communities in Europe at the time. They were deep with scholarship and learning and libraries and wonderful things to read. Francis was not particularly interested in that. He could have become clergy and joined the church and began to climb the ranks of the great hierarchy. Francis, incidentally, does get to go visit the Pope, but for very different reasons. No, Francis rejected all of the traditional paths and even the depths of theology that he could have picked up from Anselm 200 years earlier. Maybe he could have gotten in that room with Thomas Aquinas and sharpened his pencil and become a scholastic note. Francis, no. I'm just going to focus on the baby. Crazy man. It's all right there. And the reason you might have a nativity set at home and the reason that we put on a pageant that blew the roof off this place earlier today, and the reason the kids get all excited about wearing angel wings and dressing up as donkeys and sheep and shepherds and learning how to speak into microphones or how to yell at the top of their lungs so they can be heard has to do with what Francis did in the 13th century, all those years ago. You see, Francis realized something that no one before him had quite understood. He realized that tonight, Christmas, is the story of salvation in miniature. 
It is the story of salvation told again, or for many of us, for the first time, if we will only listen and look closely. Francis understood that the majority of the European population at the time, you probably would think in European terms, but oh well, he thought and knew that many people were not about to sit down and read Anselm or go to their local monastery and become literate. And he knew in his heart of hearts that salvation was much simpler than even Anselm had disclosed. All the symbols of salvation are right there in that story we just heard in Luke's telling. And they are there to be studied, not because they are beautiful, they are that. Not because they are sweet, yes, they are that too. But because they hold in them the whole of God's story, and ours too, if we will only listen. Much like our children hold in them. Millions of years of evolutionary history. That genetic and even that epigenetic story of their ancestors and our ancestors, and even more than that, the fingerprints of the unfolding of the whole universe itself. Jesus' birth holds the potential for the salvation of everything. Everything. That's why when you look at Francis standing out here in our memorial garden, he's not looking up, he's looking down. Something that modern-day spiritual author Richard Rohr has pointed out over and over again. It's all right there, if you are willing to look. Bands of cloth are mirror images of linen wrappings in the tomb. Did you catch that? The manger itself is as much a resting place as it is the site of new birth. Mary's womb is empty, like the tomb was empty. And here it is again, the poor, the shepherds in this story and their spiritual descendants, the poor, the dispossessed, the suffering, the marginalized, and the neglected, even on our streets this night, they are the ones who will first hear and bear witness to the salvation that God in Christ holds. Christmas, you see, isn't just for children after all, but it is for those of us who are ready, like Francis, to receive the good news like children. Something Jesus will remind us of again when he is older and teaching adults who are busy keeping the children away from his blessing. Christmas isn't just for the poor either, though they have always been and probably always will be the first to receive its comforting promise because they are closest 
to that edge of raw need. That's why poverty became a choice for many. Christmas isn't just about gift-giving and tales of Santa coming in secret and families gathering. But it is true that with even the smallest joys, we remember and offer one another every year that we are reflecting back the joy and the wonder that God brings to us in a moment that is timeless and powerful, like knitting the whole of the human family back together again. Don't you think that's a message we need at this time? I think so. Do you think so? Our God treasures small things, like little towns and little communities, marginal families, the little people. Our God, who likes risky, vulnerable things like truth and love and integrity, and even though these things don't win in the games of the world's power, God still looks for them, blesses them, draws them out, gives birth to them. This God who prefers the company of creatures in muck and straw to the silks and fabrics of the elegant and the sophisticated, this God who speaks with the rough words of prophets standing in rivers and the plain speech of Nazarene mothers who prefers their words to the carefully weighed and complex words of wise men and women who inhabit fine halls. Christmas, you might say, is about raw salvation. Raw as the night is cold for many this time of year. Messy and beautiful as a newborn, covered in all the raw elements of human life and the waters of the womb. Raw as the bleating of the ewe lambs and the scent of straw and the stench of shepherds who haven't bathed in many hot, sweaty days, keeping watch in unkempt pastures. What we celebrate this time of year is no more sophisticated than that scene that many of us learn to draw or color as children or acted out in our annual pageants with makeshift, easy-to-understand, cut-out angel wings. All right, we are in Mill Valley. Ours a little bit better than that. Donkey tails held on with scotch tape. You remember those? Or sheets roughly cut into tunics. This season is about God in the raw, who meets the rawness of our own lives, who met us when many of us were baptized before we could barely speak, and who more certainly knew all of us before we could crawl, before we could think, before we could remember. This God who is born into the raw synapses, the hormones, the emotions of this life, that even the most studied neuroscientists today now believe precede all rational thought. 
Yes, God loves us that much. Before we can even process what we are feeling with a thought, before we can decide whether to love God back, our needs to God are like the impulsive needs of a newborn crying for food, for rest, for warmth, reaching out to grab a hold of the unknown, the cold world, where even the light itself is painful to eyes opened for the first time. So tell me again, what did you do to deserve salvation? We're reminded again this night, the question is not what you deserve. The question is, what will you do with your salvation now that you have received it, born and gift-wrapped, and lying in a manger? What will you do with that? We sing this night of this remarkable love that embraces death and life with equal abandon and draws new breath in the darkest and most vulnerable places in our lives. We pray for that peace that breathes life into a world where it seems there is no room at the inn for peace. We love one another with that new love that a mother has because she learned it carrying this baby for nine months from a scandalized village in the north on a donkey's back over dangerous rough roads to a hamlet in the south that can only eye her as an outsider with suspicion. That love. You remember that love? That love that said yes to an angel and bewildered a man who already suffered strange dreams, who must have struggled to remain faithful, This is the night where supposedly little miracles are made great and large again. Like being gathered together here from our many walks of life to old words that sound new again. To a hungry mouth receiving food. To the cold finding warmth. To the lonely finding companionship to the tiny but undeniably real miracle of each and every breath that we take. Loved ones drawn close, living and dead, a world hushed from its clamor for just a moment, the cry of a newborn child, and the final breath of one world giving way to the new light in the darkness. Shepherds hearing the voices of angels, children restless in their sleep with excitement. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God's holiness is planted in us anew.
Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon. Jesus, I see.